Nine. 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 Nine.
was getting up Monday morning, we got ready and had our rice and our eggs, and, and we took off to one of these uh, mission churches. Then on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock, we were going to leave, and Filipino time is island time, let me tell you. We were supposed to leave at 7, about 11, we took off. And, and so we had our rice and our eggs, and all the guys that are in the jeepney, and talked shop, and messed around with the jeepney, and, and um, you know, we got on the jeepney, and, and we left. And we, we went to uh, another mission work. And then I noticed as this was happening day by day, there was one gentleman, mainly women that was there, but there was one gentleman from the church that was there consistently. And, and we got to talking, and, and we were about the same age. And, and I sat down beside him in one of these mission trips, and I said, hey, I don't even remember his name. Now. I said, I noticed you've been at all these. I said, if I can ask, did you take a week off work so you can make these mission trips with us, or what's going on? He's like, no, pastor, I can't work right now. I said, you can't work, why not? And he said, well, I run a rickshaw. And if you know what a rickshaw is, that's the bike, you know, that has the little thing beside it to take people in. And so he was one of those guys, he had his own rickshaw, and he had to buy it himself. He said, my, my rickshaw is broken, and I, I can't take people in it. So I'm sitting there beside him, I'm like, what's wrong with it? He said, well, we had some wind, and the canvas top was ripped off of it, and he said, I just don't have the money. And I said, well, brother, how much does it cost to fix that? And he told me, I think pesos, the, the money there in the Philippines, he told me the amount. I'm like, okay, brother, we'll just pray God provides it. And, and I got up, and I went over, and it was all national missionaries, but the American missionary established those works. So I went over to the American missionary. I said, Rick, I said, how much is this amount in American dollars? He was figuring his head. He said, $15. I said, what? He said, I said, because Brother so-and-so can't work because the, the top's going off his rickshaw and he doesn't have the $15 to fix it. I said, we're giving him the $15 plus again to go back to work. And when we went over and told him we were going to give him that $15, he hugged us in tears in his eyes, begging us for providing that. If I take my family to Starbucks, it costs twice that much. And yet there, there are people around the world that we're going to be in heaven with one day that, I mean, our, our affluence here in America is just and, and so with my to that, we had a man here a few weeks ago who was a really, really cool missionary. Matter of fact, he had my the favorite name I've ever heard. His name was Seahawk. S-I-H-O-K. And if we were going to have another child, my wife and I would have to fight because I think Seahawk Spice was awesome. Uh, that's just a cool name. And so Seahawk is here speaking, which we have a guest today with us that just moved into town. And his, and he's here, but I'm not going to bring him out. His name is Craig Spicer, so he's the second voice in my trip. So Craig, welcome. I'm awesome. You have to be part of the ministry description name. But anyway, Seahawk was here. And Seahawk and I are the same age. And it, it honestly only took about five minutes to be with him to know this guy and I, this is this guy's a missionary. You know, he he knows where it is and, and he is doing the work of missions. And and I don't think it took long for him to know my heart as well. Because when they were leaving, he gave me a hug and pointed to his mission board and said, this is my man. And so we, we hit it off right away. But as Seahawk was here, he was talking about his ministry in Cambodia. And he was an entrepreneur, a construction man, and had a very thriving business going. And God called him into ministry. He needed this testimony of salvation. And I kicked out of his home because all of his family were, were Buddhists. And they had no room 
And he gave up everything to go and to serve the Lord's ministry. Now, Cambodia, again, is not Christianity in America. It's, you know, we're going to plant a church in America. We're going to go and raise support and make sure we're just fine for about five years before we do it. Cambodia, you just do it. And to the point that they have just so little home to sleep in that they actually, he, his wife, and the two little children had to sleep outside. And he says when the rains would come down in the rainy season, he and his wife would put the kids in the middle and then they would sleep over top of them and try to protect them from the elements while they were sleeping and trying to get this ministry going. Well, through their sacrifice and effort for the Lord, God has blessed them and now they have a Bible college where they're training young men. And I think they have close to 15 students. Four graduates have gone on and five and planted churches in Cambodia that have graduated from there. But as he was ministering, somebody came to him and said, Pastor, you need to go with me to the job. And we need to minister to people in the job. Now again, in our mindset, we're thinking the dog, he has a dog. Okay, where they take the trash in the city and they just throw it in this dog. And there are people in rural countries all over our world who are living in dogs. Because when that dog comes in and that trash comes in, that's how they eat. I've got, I've lost my And I have a picture of a little girl in India who's beside this pile of trash. And bless her heart, she's about this big, dirty, and she's never had a bath a day in her life. And she's holding this little bag of Fritos. And she's got it like this, and she's licking her finger and putting it in there just to eat the crumbs out of this Frito bag. That's going to be the food for them. And these people are taking their families to the dump in Cambodia so they can dig through the trash to find enough food to live on. These kids are not privileged to school. These kids are not privileged to learn. They're not privileged to read. They're not privileged to write. Because when you're hungry, that's the main objective. And so in order for them to eat, they have no choice but to live beside the dog and for them and their parents to dig through that trash in order to eat for the day. Seahawk goes down to the dump and starts talking to these people about Jesus. One of the women said, how dare you tell me there's a God who loves me? Because if there's a God who
state of West Virginia. We know that we listen to talk radio or on Twitter or anything else for education topic of discussion in our state. Um, obviously, discussions they don't see the So there's our, our first principle of tithe. 
Abraham is a tithe all. Now, we don't see this word show up again in the Old Testament until we get to the law. And then when we get to the law, God is giving the guidelines of, of the, the two children of Israel. And when my children were reading through their Bible in a year, one of them came to me and said, Dad, I can't read any more about the mention of the laws. <laughs> and I was like, it gets better, buddy, I promise. And, and so Leviticus is the mentions of the, the ark, the way the curtains are going to be, the color of the curtains, the way the posts are going to be, all these things. Okay? And, and then when you get through the law, God says this. He says, here's what I want you to do, Israel. All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's, and then holy to the Lord. So, so I want you to take a tithe of your crops and, and give those crops to the Lord. But, but not just your crops, and concerning the tithe of the And so this is your tithe, this is your tenth. And so the children of Israel were, were told to give a tenth of all they had. Why? Where was it going to? Was it going to missions? Nah, it wasn't going to missions. It, it, it was going to a different tribe called the Levites. Now the Levites were the priests. The Levites were the ones who were the religious for today. The Levites were the ones that were carrying out all the orders of the Leviticus. And with everything they had to do from dusk until dawn, Christian Academy, which is not a problem, to be a storehouse. That's not what God's called us to do. 
times a year, but certain months, as you look at the Talmud and you look at how the law was written, they could be up to 30% a year of giving. And so for all of you that are pushing tithing, be very careful which you push. And, and really, it's going towards the temple. It's going towards the tabernacle. We have no temple. We have no tabernacle to make. So it's really hard to argue a tithe. But when we hear preaching on tithing, where you've been in churches, where they've taken up, um, they, the ushers come up, they get the offering plates, and the pastor will say, now for the tithes and what? Offering. Now, when we say that, it's like, okay, so now for the 10% and that what you want to give above the and, and really, when it comes to the word of offering, I think that the, the biblical way of offering is probably the best word for us to use, other than the tithe. Because what is an offering? Offering is a voluntary act of worship and devotion to God. You know, an, an offering, unlike the tithe, which was a fixed percentage of agricultural produce of livestock, the offering can take many different forms. You know, monetary gifts, sacrifices, other forms of support for the temple or the priest. The offering was a voluntary act of worship and devotion to God. It was an expression of gratitude for God's blessings and provision. In some cases, the offering was also used to support the needs of the temple, even to the poor and the priestly class. And so this offering is a gift that's, that's coming from the heart. So, so based off this definition, then offering, I think, is an awesome term for our giving. And so we have in the back offering boxes. And I think that's what we should call them. I don't think we should call them the tithe box. Okay? It's the offering box is, is the way to go. So a tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe is a requirement in the Old Testament. But what happens to a tithe when you cross into the New Testament? The teaching on tithing just isn't there. And when Jesus himself talks about giving in the New Testament, I love because Jesus' emphasis on tithing is not on the gift. It's always on the gift. Think about a certain person who gave a mite. Remember that? Who was it? It's the widow. We all know the widow's mite. Because it was the gift. And Jesus says, you Pharisees, you're dumping this money in so everybody can hear it. Shame on you. Here comes this lady that has next to nothing and she's giving all that she has, which was next to nothing. And Jesus says it's not about the gift, it's about the giver. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this He doesn't need our money. External giving builds religious pride. And if we're not careful, giving things instead of ourselves can easily become our religion. So that we never turn to Christ for salvation, it must be said that if we have not given our lives to Christ, then we should not be given our money. And let me say this, if you have not given your life to Christ, don't be given your money. Jesus doesn't need it. So, at Faith Baptist Church, you'll notice that we don't take up an offer. Now, I've been asked to bring the offering plates out again. Matter of fact, uh, without saying last names, this guy's first name is Fred, but he asked me to bring the offering plates back out. And I said, why, Fred? And he's like, because every Sunday I put a 20 in and get a 10 back that I need. Now, that's Fred. 
somebody comes in that's not a believer, they, we can take that money out and give. Matter of fact, I know people who give very graciously, even to this ministry, who I know are not saved. And, and they're doing that as a way to, and a means for God to bless them and to bless their business. See, that's not where blessing is. And, and God says, I, that does nothing for me. This is, this is all about the person who is giving. You know, Jesus tells those Pharisees, man, what you're doing is hypocrisy. You know, th this tithing and, and this focusing on giving, but yet you're, you're not just, and you lack faith, and you're mercy, you're, you're, you have no mercy in the people that you're dealing with. So you're living the strict life under the law. You're nothing but a hypocrite by giving the way that you are giving. Pastor Johnny talked about it a couple weeks ago in his sermon, and, and he was absolutely right in proclaiming here out of 2 Corinthians 8 that God wants us. And what does Paul say in 12.1? Give your bodies as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to God. And, and the Lord wants who we are. Bottom line is this, God does not need your money. The first and most important thing to remember as Christians is God is asking for you. Now that my journey's just begun, my course so little trod, I'll stop before I further run and give myself to God. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus and the crowd was amazed that Jesus would go and meet with such a, a greedy, dirty, filthy, rotten tax collector. Hebrew tradition says that Jesus spent the night there. And sometime during that stay and in that teaching, this little man who loved money so much found Jesus. And what did he do after Zacchaeus found Jesus? He said, Behold, Lord. The half of all my goods I'll give to the poor, and that which I've taken from anyone and anything I've taken, I'll restore it fourfold. What happened? Zacchaeus gave his life to Christ, and then Zacchaeus started to give. You see, if I give myself to Christ, I'm naturally going to want to give. And so how does that play out? How does giving work then in the church? And in the church, we could use the word offering. Really, more biblically, I think, would be the term grace giving. Because we're giving out of grace of what God has done for us. The practice of giving is this. Our practice must be church-centered. In 1 Corinthians, we don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 16.1, I preached it several months ago, and I'll read it. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Now look at chapter 8, verse 1, where you are now, 2 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, we would that you know the would of the grace of God bestowed where? To the churches of Macedonia. Our giving needs to be through the church. We give through the local church. We had a, a lady reach out to me a few weeks ago and say, you know, Pastor Spicer, my heart is touched, and I love the missionary that we have, Daniel Pearson. And Daniel's going to be starting to work there in Cincinnati. And Daniel was just great. His family was great. And she's like, the Lord's burned me to help Daniel. What can I do? Okay, well, just by calling me, she's going through the local church. 
And, and I knew Daniel was having flyers and brochures and things made actually by another missionary that lived with the Bible Digitals, and Tom Luckman was here several months ago with his books and devotionals that he does for children. Tom was producing all this material for Daniel. And so I emailed Tom. I'm like, hey, Tom, I've got a, a lady in the church who wants to help Daniel. What's going to be the total price for the materials that he's making? And so, Dan, so Tom tells me, and and I reached back out to this lady. I said, here's the total cost to having everything done, including shipping. And she said, I'll give a check um, to you on Sunday. And I said, don't give it to Cordova because I'll lose it. <laughs> um, but what is she doing and what did we do? How did we handle that? We did it through the church. They, and, and that giving's got to be through the church. And as it's given through the church, the church has to handle that honestly. I mean, and honestly, that's why it needs to go to Cordova, because I'll lose it. And, and you look in 16 and 18 of chapter 8, that's what we see. We see this happening because, hey, Titus is going to come and pick up this offering. And then you look down at 18, and we have sent somebody else. He doesn't mention him who's going to come for the offering. And then you look down at 22, and he says, we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oft times proved diligent in these days. Probably Luke. Who's coming to get that? So three men are coming to pick up that money to take it. It's being handled honestly. If you were to walk out of the lobby right now and look into this little room, we have a window right there, and they're counting money in the open where everybody can see it. Okay, because we want to make sure that all the money's put in a clear envelope and then it's and it's sealed. And when it's given to the bank, it's sealed, it's signed. We're trying to do everything we can to make sure that we handle God's money. Honestly, But again, it's coming through the church. So if you're here this morning and you're coming to Faith Baptist Church and you're like, well, I'm not going to get through Faith Baptist Church because I don't like Faith Baptist Church. Okay, my first question would be, then why are you here? Well, there's nowhere else to go. Okay, that's like going to a restaurant because it's the only restaurant in town and then you eat their food and you leave without getting a tip. Well, why don't you give a tip? Because I hate this restaurant, but why are you here? Because it's the only restaurant in town. A consumer, not a giver. And again, at first, God wants ourselves, but man, if you're here, you're like, eh, I'm not going to give. I'm not that crazy about trade or the pastors or the church. Then let me suggest you find somewhere else to go. Because if I can't get behind this work and God's work at faith, then biblically, I need to find somewhere I can. So it's through the church. Number two, let's talk about the philosophy of giving. Okay. Chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, verse 2. How a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded, unto the riches of their liberality. And then in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 7, a very familiar passage. Every man, according as he had purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me, let me back up and say this when it talks about being handled honestly. Just so you know, total transparency, I have no clue what anybody in this church gives, how much you give or what you give. Right? And, and honestly, I don't want to know. But I'll even take it another step. I, I have no idea what the offerings were last week. I have no idea what the offerings were a week before that. I have no idea what the offerings were three weeks before that. Nor do I know the attendance. Nor do I care. It's not my church. It's God's church. God will supply the needs as he sees fit. And if God continues to give to our ministry, we'll continue to pray and see how God wants us to use the 
the means in which he has given. And if God continues to provide for our ministry, and our ministry says, hey, let's support Hope Christian School, praise the Lord, let's do it. See, it's God's church, it's God's money, you're God's people, you give because God has purpose in your heart to give. And that's why we're here. But I will say this too, when I was in one church overseas, you know, we hang, we hang out the budget on the back, so you see where the money goes. Beside the budget, this church handed up the giving records. And every single person that gave them what they gave was on those sheets of paper. That was interesting. I wish you'd like it if I did that next Sunday. Uh, some of you go in the back. And nor should you. So philosophy of giving. Okay? How do we give? What's giving from the heart? According as you have purpose in your heart. So let them give. Again, this is why I don't like offerings. You know, so the, the strategic philosophy behind, you know, let's stand and pray so we can take the offering. It has nothing to do with prayer. And so guys can stand up and get their wallets out, so it's a little easier that way. And, and so they stand up, they get their wallet out, and we're praying, and then they pull the wallet out and say, man, I'm going to give it to church again. you got one eye closed. You're not listening to the prayer at all. And, you know, the one old boy was going that, and he saw the $10 bill, and he pulled the $10 bill out of his wallet, put it back in, the offering plate came. He put the $10 bill in, and when he put the $10 bill in, he gulped, and his stomach hit the ground. Because as he passed the plate on, he saw that it wasn't the $10 bill, He didn't hear anything that was done through the whole service because all he could think about was giving that $100 to the church and not the $10 bill. So he's trying to figure out what to do, so he decided what he was going to do. So the church service was over, and he ran to the back in the lobby and grabbed one of the ushers that was taking up the offering. He said, man, I made a terrible mistake. I gave a $100 bill in that offering. I meant to put the 10 Can I exchange that out? And the usher's like, sir, I'm sorry. We've already sealed the envelopes. We've already taken the money. It's already on its way to the bank. And the gentleman sighed, oh well, treasures in heaven. And the usher looked at him and responded in such a unique way. He said, sir, as far as heaven is concerned, you only gave $10. And that was true. Because you purposed in your heart, so much you give. What should I give then? Should I give it all? I can't take it with me. If your giving is proportionate. And so I give purposely, but I give proportionally. Eight, three. For the power of our record beyond their power, they were willing to give and even to give of themselves in 8.12. For if they were first a willing mind, it is accepted according as a man hath, and not what he hath not. And look at 9 and 7 again. As you purpose in your heart, let him give, not grudgingly or with compulsion. Oh man, I'm just compelled to give this offer today. Or, uh, no, 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 no. And, and we look, though, at 12, and I love this. Give what a man hath, not what he hath not. This is why some of you have attended churches, and again, I don't have a problem with this, but if you attend churches and do faith promise, I don't do faith promise. Because I don't see faith promise. Because we are to give up what we have. Faith promise says, look, I promise to give the church this amount of money, even though I don't have it out of faith. Wait a second. Of what he has. Wait a second. Not grudgingly or necessity. I file my taxes in April and I'm like, oh, man, we got a problem. I've got to write a big old check for the IRS. Oh, man, I've got another problem. I promised Trey that I would get X amount of money on commissions. Oh, well, just not going to be able to give commissions. I've got to pay the IRS. And then instantly you feel guilty for not giving. But I'm pretty sure the Bible says right here what? Not grudgingly. 
5% every month out of my budget. Praise the Lord. But I've yet to have somebody come to me and say, Trey, I take 90%. So that'd be crazy. Archie Letourneau was an incredible engineer, inventor, and businessman. Archie Letourneau's factory supplied nearly 70% of the earthmoving equipment and engineering vehicles used by the Allied forces during the World War II. Archie Letourneau was a multi-millionaire working land moving equipment and selling it. He ended up going on and starting a college and aviation school. Archie Letourneau was a millionaire and gave a reverse tithes. He set aside 90% of his salary and all of his company's profits for religious donations for the church. And he lived on 10%. Archie Letourneau was invited to come and move and this multi-millionaire stood up before all those pastors, and he said in his voice, Love not the world, neither the things that are in it. How could he do that? Because as a millionaire, he understood there was nothing this world had to offer him. And he gave it all to God. So then, finally, number three, what's the profit of giving? The profit of giving is the giver. It's the blessings of others. You know, it's, it's to meet their needs. It's, it's to meet our needs. You know, just imagine if we were able to meet the needs of 30 students and that we could pray for them and supply their needs on a regular basis that they're studying and learning and maybe one day become pastors in Cambodia. We talk about it's more blessed to give than receive. And, and as we look at the scriptures in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Uh, verse 10, now he that ministers or gives seed to the sower both minister before you and will multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Does that mean if I give, God gives more? Not necessarily. Okay, so what's that mean? I, I don't fully understand, but I know this. God meets our needs. So what then is the point of giving? Look at verse 13 of chapter 9. Okay, so while this is going on, it's the administration that they glorify God. Okay, to so the glory of God. Verse 19, and not, or verse 19 of chapter 8, and not that only, but who also were chosen of the churches to travel with this grace, with this offering, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord. The reason we give is to the glory of God. So when Daniel Pearson receives this offering and he's called by Tom and says, hey, Tom, Faith Baptist Church took care of all your work. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, Seahawk, don't worry about Hope Christian School anymore. It's taken care of. Praise a few years ago, I had a young man call me and said, hey, I need to see you. I said, that's fine. He came into my office on a Sunday, and he's like, I can't explain it. And he handed me an envelope. And he said, God has told me to give that envelope to you. I look up, there's an envelope, several hundred dollars in there. I go, oh, this is good. He's like, but I want you to give it to somebody in need. This isn't good. Um, and and I, I said, okay. He's like, just pray about it. God told me to give it to you. I know somebody needs it. Just keep it until that need arises. So fine. I took it. Two days later, I get a message from one of my close friends who's a national missionary on the field. 